Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. Today I sit down with former NRL player David Mead. Prince, the chase is on for Mead. What about the pickup? Have you ever seen a try like that? David Mead, you are a football player. You're some sort of magician. Nothing will beat that. Dave, thank you so much for joining me today. It's, well, I have to start by saying that you are the freshest retiree <laughs> that we've ever had on the podcast. Thank you. Um, well, you retired yesterday. Uh, officially announced to everyone yesterday. Uh, it has been a few weeks now since I told the coach, but it's good that everyone else knows now so that I can actually start talking about it. It's an interesting situation for you because the NRL season is still going, so... I, I guess it probably would come as a surprise to, to some people from the outside. Can you talk me through, well, I mean, the process of making that decision and kind of what landed you here and also why kind of mid-season? You know, it's interesting. I've been thinking about it over the last few weeks and speaking to Dave Donahue a few weeks ago, CEO for the Broncos, and he kind of summed it up really well for me over the phone. He said, it sounds like you've been retired for a few months now. Mm. And so, yeah, I think I was retired mentally from playing the game you know, probably two, three months ago wow. and turning up to training. I hurt my knee at the start of the year playing for Wynnum, the Queensland Cup, and I just didn't know if I wanted to keep going through the whole rehab process. I didn't love the game as much as I did. Yeah. But then after speaking to a few people, they said, get your knee right, uh, get yourself in a good headspace and then see if you still want to finish up. Mm. So I did that, played a few Queensland Cup games, played PNG, and that kind of felt like a grand final to me in a way. And so continuing for the rest of the year didn't feel too right. I made sure that the Broncos still had enough depth to cover the, for the rest of the year and mm. they've got some great young kids coming through who I'm excited to see uh, and are yet to debut as well. So it all just made sense to me uh, that I could retire now. So here I am. Because I, I, I find that quite interesting because I, I think that's something that a lot of athletes go through. They kind of they get a feeling that it's probably time to finish yep. and then they kind of go through the motions yeah. a little bit longer, just wondering if that feeling will go away Yeah, and obviously it didn't for you. I know what you're talking about, but it's very hard to put into words. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get me. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely understand you. Um, and I've spoken to a lot of former players and they, they've just said, you know, when you know, you know. Yeah. There's no real description for it mm. or there's no words for it and and it's very personal like it's a very personal thing it's like you know when olympics could still be there your team could still be playing and doing well but it, for you it's just like yeah it's just try, i'll try the best as i can to describe it but you know when the former players have said yeah, when you know you know and i've also watched a few documentaries about you know athletes retiring mm. and i heard somewhere that they said you know when an athlete cries i'm not sure if they they fully know but they when they don't if they don't cry announcing their retirement mm. that's when they know yeah <laughs> and i didn't cry so <laughs> that kind of summed it up for me yeah you're like oh yeah no, yeah it's fine. very it's sad because I, I think of all the people who have helped me along the way yeah and so those emotions are there but in terms of thinking of running out and tackling 120 kilo guys uh, i'm not excited for you're that you're not anymore. into that anymore no i'm good <laughs> i mean yeah. to, be, to be fair 
thinking about doing that at the start. I feel like you guys are totally yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun doing all that stuff. But then, yeah, it's not fun for me anymore. Mm. Is it is it the physical toll or the mental toll of training that kind of makes you go, oh. It's uh, majority mental. Waking up and looking forward to going to training and improving. Mm. And as you know, when you're at the top of your game and, you know, w- when you're feeling your best, you just want to keep getting better and better. Yeah. And that kind of has slowly gone away for me since the start of the year. Mm. Getting an injury, getting past that. Normally I'm just like, all right, let's get this injury right. Be back in no time. Mm. This time I was kind of like, hmm, do I really want to keep doing this? Yeah. And Because you don't want to make the sacrifices anymore. That, that's exactly what it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, you know, I enjoy the bag of potato chips here and there. <laughs> <laughs> and just I'll, dabble in uh, some potato chips. Yeah, <laughs> and I've, you know, I've, on a... Thursday, Friday, I want to have a soft drink. There's no guilt for that now. Mm. I just eat that and enjoy it. Mm. And so there's a lot of sacrifice that go into playing professional sports. And and as you said, you don't want to uh, make those anymore. So, yeah, I've got a pretty good uh, healthy lifestyle and I'll I'll be maintaining that. But I also want to indulge when my family's eating ice cream after dinner too. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's around that idea that, I mean, because you've, You've had a, a, a career that has kind of moved you all over Australia, all over the world. And when you start to go, oh, I just don't want to have to, you know, relocate or get up early. or Like that was for me. I don't know what time you guys play yeah. <laughs> or, or train. <laughs> but, you know, that early getting up, you know, thinking of constantly about what you're putting into your body, how you're going to recover, what time you're going to bed. All of those are really important in terms of a healthy lifestyle and maintaining physical and mental wellness. But, you know, if you slip up every now and then, it's not the end of the world. And I used to, I didn't have the perfect diet or nutrition playing the game. Could have been a lot better still, but now I'm just, you know, enjoying myself. But mm. in terms of the whole sacrifices and, you know, making the sacrifice, training hard, making sure you do the 1% as extras, mm. you know, seeking for answers of ways to get better constantly. Uh, the desire wasn't there anymore and I just don't – I love the game. I just don't love being on the field, mm. participating in it because when I told the coach and then a few days later I went and watched the Wynnum and Norse play on the sideline. Mm. I was just sitting on the sideline and normally when you're on the sideline and you're missing out on games, you're like, man, I wish I was out there. Yeah. That was not there. I was like, yeah. geez, I'm glad I'm on the sideline. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of how I really knew. I mean, that's so interesting because I still – feel deeply jealous of everyone who gets to race, like yeah. in swimming. Yeah. Yep. It, what, what do you think that is? Uh, I mean, it's a good question, Dad. Yeah. I feel – I don't know what it is. I just I, – I still deeply miss it. I miss being super fit. I miss being – the simplicity of it, the, like just focusing on swimming. Like yeah. that was that was a real joy. But I don't, I don't miss the training and I, I can't yeah. imagine ever doing everything that I needed to do to race at that level. So yeah. for me, you know, I'm not running into 120 kilos yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. hoping for the best. Yeah. Um, well, trust it, me, swimming would be a lot worse for me than taking yeah. 120 kilos. Yeah, NRL <laughs> players are notoriously yeah. bad at swimming. <laughs> I, I remember seeing Gordon Tallis um, a million years ago at the Valley Pool when uh, I think it was the Queensland team were coming in to do a recovery session and yeah. you guys are not built for swimming. <laughs> nah. And it just, that just, a memory just came to mind as we said that actually. 
I put an Instagram video of me maybe six years ago. Yeah. Just reminded me to go back and delete it, I think. With <laughs> <laughs> me doing the butterfly. My head did not come out of the water. I am literally <laughs> going to get out of this conversation and go and search your Instagram now. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so it's, it's, I think that's such a, a powerful thing, though, when you have that clarity. How does it feel now that everybody knows? It's a huge relief. Mm. Yeah, relief's the key word that comes to mind. And that was, that's what it felt like playing my last game for PNG as well. Mm. And now so that did, you were aware that it was your last game? I had a good idea, but I just didn't know if the club would want me to continue playing for the rest of the year. That was probably where my own uh, the challenge would be for the rest of the year, if the, whether the club would let me stop playing or want me to keep playing. But, you know, it was a blessing from Kevy, our coach, that, you know, he said, you know, when you know, you know. Mm. He said, um, I've been in that position before, so I understand. And yeah, thanks for being a part of the club and uh, wish you all the best for the rest of the year. So what do you feel like, do, like, do you feel like you've been gearing up for retirement? Like, do you feel like you've started to explore different avenues? Because the thing with NRL players and, you know, excuse me if I'm completely wrong and making massive assumptions, but you guys are on a pretty good wicket. You can just focus on NRL and playing yeah. for your team and, and doing all those sorts of things. So do you feel like you had to start exploring before you decided to retire or do you feel like you've kind of like you have a you have a plan in place yeah well for me personally I've been pretty lucky that I've got some good people around me Mm. both uh, around by the rugby league field and my wife's pretty organized off the field so she does it's helpful it's very helpful (laughs) yeah (laughs) so she's doing a lot of organizing for me off the field and I've never been one to be shy to go and ask for, you know, work outside of footy as well. So mm. I think that kind of works in my favour. But in terms of, you know, having to focus on the game itself and, you know, we, we've got pretty good lifestyles uh, compared to the average Joe. Mm. And we probably live a, a bit bit more, you know, I wouldn't say fancy. I'm not really a fancy person, but, mm. the, you know, the cost of living is probably a bit more. So when you're finishing uh, playing rugby league at that level, you probably want to earn a wage Something similar or, yeah. you know, something that's not too – something that not, that's not going to make you go broke. Yeah. Pretty much. Ideally. Uh, <laughs> ideally. Hopefully, yeah. yeah I better find Fingers that out. Yeah, I'll yeah, stop getting paid two weeks ago. So <laughs> You're like, sure, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. I need a job now. <laughs> um, Anybody out there listening? Yeah. David's available. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a challenge and it's I've always been scared of what I'd do after footy. mm and I'm still a bit nervous because a lot of it's unknown right now. And that's what I'm most nervous about, actually. Mm. Probably a big reason why I started the podcast yes. um, last year, actually, with, with Jace. And talking about these things. And you know, I've talked about it for a while now and I'm still trying to figure out this whole, uh, I guess, transition mm. stage where it's like a bit scary, unknown. Yeah. Straight out of school, I went into a NRL system. Yes. Everything's put on a on a plate for you from the moment you walk into yeah the moment you leave so that's the part of how old are you now i'm 33 now and when did you start how old were you i was 19 yeah so straight out of school yeah yeah <laughs> and so there's a lot yep. yeah <laughs> yep, yep. I, I i say yes very knowingly because <laughs> i yeah. was 18 when i made my first australian team 27 when i left 
And you're like, oh, I have to be an adult yeah. now. <laughs> Make adult decisions about my routine and my yeah. life. <laughs> Pretty much. And I, and I know a lot of guys who have finished up and struggled. Mm. And whether that's a part of um, belonging to a team or finding work that can still pay for the lifestyle that mm. you've um, uh, built up. And uh, there's several things there. And so... But I consider myself lucky because I've got some great people around me who are putting some good plans in place. And I'm nervous, but I'm also excited for what's coming. Well, that and that's exactly right. It's, as you said, it's it's all an unknown, right? Like you just, this is a whole new world that you're learning to kind of um, navigate yep. in terms of not only routine and systems, the people that you're hanging around with, what your passion is, because I assume that footy was your passion from yeah. a very young age. Very so, much so, you know, understanding what opportunities then become available and then finance, you know, yeah. <laughs> like living and understanding budgets and, you know, where your next paycheck is coming from. That all becomes very kind of unknown yeah. and uncertain. Yeah. And it, it's, I think it's the uncertainty that, Worries a lot of players, yeah, especially guys who are in the back end of their career, mm. or guys who get injured and then all of a sudden, no club wants them. Mm. It's a yearly battle. It's a constant battle for players at that level, and I find that guys who are in the NRL, you know, who have been only known the NRL since school, struggle a lot more with that thought process mm. than guys who are playing Queensland Cup because they're, they're playing, are uh, they working all day and playing footy for fun on the weekend? Yes. Yeah, exactly. But, but they're still getting their fix of, you know, semi-professional footy, so they're still really enjoying it. But they're also starting to explore other options, right? You know, like and, and which is why it was amazing that you started your podcast, which if people haven't listened, it's the David Mead podcast. Thank you. Um, you're very welcome. Yeah. Um, what, what kind of led you down that path? Was it something that just sort of tickled your fancy or was it something that you wanted to explore in, as a, an option for a career after? Yeah, well, the number one reason was I love listening to podcasts. Yeah. So that, <laughs> I feel I, you. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, I wonder if I can start my own one. Mm. But then I was nervous to start that one too. Always. Yeah, so the whole unknown thing. Yeah. And you're, like, you're so good at what you are doing that you're like, oh, God, what if I suck at this? Oh, and honestly, yeah. <laughs> you do, like, yeah. It's, it's all ego. Yeah. I'm like, I was really good at this thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's an interesting one for me because, yeah. you know, the ego and pride's on the line. You're like, yeah. I'm going to get judged for being really bad at this yeah, thing. Yeah, people uh, think I'm shit. Yeah, pretty much. You know, <laughs> I didn't know if we could use that language. Oh, no, I say all the things, so it's all good. Okay. Well, I didn't want people to think I was shit. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Um, like rugby league, when I think about it now, starting new things, mm. I'm always thinking I was pretty average when I was 14 playing footy. So That's exactly right. Yeah. So that next phase, you're pretty much going to put yourself as a, 14-year-old doing training and taking up footy. So yeah. that makes it a bit easier for me yeah. to think about. But that's such a good attitude to have because that's exactly right. I've had to do that multiple times in that transition phase because you go, I don't actually remember learning to swim. Like I just, the last thing that I remember was like swimming at the Olympics, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's that was the last experience that I had of my swimming. But at some point we had to learn to do what we did. Yeah. And so, but it's harder when you're an adult yeah. and you're like learning yeah. what to do what you now do. It's yeah. It's an interesting phase. I think I'm about to 
you know, go back to my 14-year-old self in whatever I choose mm. to explore in the next uh, couple of weeks, months. Mm. Um, but I'm excited for it. Yeah. It's a, it's a relief that rugby league is behind me now, or in terms of playing anyway. Mm. Um, but I'm excited for a bit of the uncertainty. I, I've changed my mind about uncertainty and, and just dive in head first and see what comes up. Would you like to dabble in like coaching or, you know, mentoring in some capacity for, for young athletes? Is that something that interests you? Yeah, I've definitely thought about it um, in terms of mentoring and, you know, the wellness space. Mm. I really enjoy that space. And I don't know about coaching just yet. I've seen many coaches, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a pretty stressful job and it takes a lot of time. Mm. I know uh, I've got a few mates who have taken up coaching and you know they, they enjoy it. But it's also a lot of time. Yeah. I just don't know if, I mean, I guess you'd have to try it to it's a see if you like it. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. a commitment, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm still exploring. I, I was I went to PNG last week mm. and I uh, did a fair bit of like public speaking and, you know, Q&A. So something in that area I think is pretty cool. Yeah. And junior development, rugby league. Mm. Uh, my passion it has always been PNG. Mm. That's where I lived for the first 12 years of my life and... I've always wanted to give back in some way because a lot of the basic stuff we have here, it's a struggle for them. So, mm. And it's more so the information that we have here in the NRL compared to the information they have, that, you know, the, the level of coaching, the, mm. the skill development. I think doing something in that field really interests me. Yeah. Is, it, is that because you're, you're wanting to kind of impart that information that you've been able to gather throughout your career here and you want to take it over there? Yeah, and a lot of the times, you know, you take it for granted sometimes because that's mm. just what you know. Mm. And you don't realise that the things you know, other people find useful. Yeah. And every time I go back there, they're asking for tips on, you know, training, mm. diet. And that's just stuff that you know. The stuff you lived, yeah, you know. The You've stuff lived you know. for the last, what, 10, 12 years. Yeah, so you don't really realise it's useful to others. So mm. I might try and see if I can... You know, do it a little bit more at scale, mm. whether it's in my village, you know, Port Moresby or around PNG. Because mm. that's where you were born, hey, in Port Moresby? Yeah, so I was born in Port Moresby. Dad's Australian, mum, Papua New Guinean. We lived in a village half hour from the village. Um, didn't know my dad when uh, when I was young growing up. So single mum, but, you know, grew up in a house full of people. Wow. Four bedrooms, family in each, very simple lifestyle. And, yeah, did, just did all the typical things that kids did. Climb coconut trees, mm. gather our friends and play footy, and it was never organised. Mm. A lot of the times, there was no rugby league ball, but we'd find an empty Coca Cola bottle or a, you know mm. audio bottle and play footy because that's what everyone loves. Yeah, rugby league. So that was a lifestyle I lived over there till the age of twelve, and then my auntie decided to bring me over to Australia, which wow. gave me a pretty good opportunity at you know education and life. So mm. yeah, that's how. Was that hard coming over at twelve away from? everything that you know yeah well my mum stayed there and my auntie brought me here so that was hard the mm. uh separation from your mum and the other siblings but um you know it took so just you so your other siblings were still yeah they were still in png two brothers and a younger sister at the time and so when i moved to lismore it was hard but also exciting for me because everything was new over here the roads didn't have potholes or anything like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So Even simple it. things like that would have been so f- kind of foreign. Yeah. And at least I got some, you know, rugby boots and stuff. Mm. And over there I was running around barefoot. 
Yeah. Uh, hurts your feet a bit. That <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, yes. <laughs> yeah, so getting uh, footy boots over here was uh, pretty cool and, you know, cricket, all that, uh, all those sports. But, you know, it was hard leaving the family there, mm. even though I've lived with my auntie and other family over here. Did you feel, what's the word, like isolated at all? Or did, did you feel kind of quite welcomed to, to your community in Lismore? Yeah, I always felt welcome um, because I had my family. My auntie was here mm. at home. But in terms of going to school, mm. I did uh, grade six at Lismore Heights Primary School. It, was, uh, it wasn't easy because we spoke English in the village, but it was, you know, 50% because... You're only allowed to speak English at school, but then once you leave, home, yeah. it's more to, so you speak another language. So that was a challenge. Mm. I don't think I said a word for maybe three years until I started to get comfortable wow. with my friends around me. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd communicate, but it was never you know, openly mm. expressing myself. So that was probably the hardest part. Mm. Until you were like 15-ish. 15, 16, I started to get comfortable, you know, playing sports. Uh, I never had trouble communicating on the cricket field, or mm. you know, I, I found a sport a way, f- good way for me to communicate, mm. and it wasn't just through words; it was through you know, fun, laughter, mm. running around. So, when I was on the cricket pitch and on the footy field, I could uh, openly express myself, mm. communicate. But off that, I was very quiet and shy. Yeah. Gosh, I can't even imagine what that would feel like to come, you know, to a, a foreign country and obviously have, you know, some family, but to be, you know, away from your your mum and your siblings, I, that just would be so, like you said, confronting, but also, you know, it, it is an opportunity. Yeah, and for me it was, I saw that other family, my auntie has done that for our other family members. Mm. So it's probably easier for me to see that, they got to come to Australia mm. and they were able to make something of themselves. Mm. So I think that helped a lot. Yeah, you start to see it from another perspective as well. Yeah, because my eldest brother now, who I don't want to confuse anyone about, you know, family in there. Yeah. But because my auntie moved me here, I, I called her my mum. Yeah. And then her kids became my siblings. Wow. So my eldest brother, who is uh, one of my siblings over here, yeah. he was actually adopted, so... Oh, wow. They did the same thing for him, and he was my example. Wow. And so I've always looked up to them, and he's always done his best in school, um, sport. So they set a good example for me, and I kind of just followed that, and it made living here a lot easier and enjoyable. Mm. Gosh, I mean, that's just so powerful in in so many different ways, you know, obviously – opportunities but you know having to leave your country and your other family behind and then also having I shoot I'm I'm putting probably words into your mouth but like that gratitude of of seeing those opportunities that are available to you and then grabbing them with both hands which is obviously what you've done yeah and I think very easy for me to see because I lived in the village Mm. if you're in if you're over here and you don't really see these opportunities as real opportunities. Yeah. That's just what you're used to, right? But that's exactly yeah. right. Like you said, you know, why you want to go back over to PNG and and share your knowledge because you know the difference. Yeah. You know that that would be amazingly valuable and such an opportunity for young kids who have dreams of playing in the NRL or playing for PNG. Yeah, and there's a lot of kids over there who 
love sport. Mm. And because education is very limited and uh, schools are overpopulated, mm. the opportunity for them to get uh, quality coaching or quality education is very limited. Mm. And so I think you know, me doing my small part and going back and trying to do something for the village is mm. hopefully it's helpful for some of the kids uh, who come out of there and that they can do the same for their families too. Do you mind me asking, and you don't have to if, if you're not comfortable, but um, you, you mentioned that your, your father kind of wasn't there. Do you have any relationship with him now? Uh, no, I've never. Uh, You've never really known him? I've never known him. I've, we've met a few times mm. and crossed paths, but, yeah, it was an uh, uh, interesting experience. And uh, I'm not going to cry, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not tapping into something. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a um, hard one. And I've never spoken about this publicly, but I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings mm. on either side. Mm. I never spoke with him uh, directly or anything, uh, but I don't think he had wanted much to do with me. That's hard. Yeah, which is fine. You know, he's got his own life, his family sorted and all that. Yeah. And I understood that, but... Yeah, it was hard for me. I always wondered what it was like and, you know, having a dad. Yeah. It was a hard thing growing up because all my cousins, both their families were always together. Mm. As a kid growing up, you kind of wonder, you know, what's my dad like? Yeah. And yeah. I asked because I my dad kind of wasn't part of my life either. Yeah. Kind of tried to dabble a little bit once I started getting good at swimming. But yeah. Yeah, I don't have a relationship with him. And I was always the same. I'm like, I wonder what it would be like to have like a normal family yep. with a mum and dad and, you know, what he's like. Yeah, it's a hard one. Yeah. But I've worked out that over the years, I'm not the only one who's yes. like that. Mm. It's probably when I turned 18, 19 that I started to figure out that there's probably a lot more guys like me in my teams who were in that situation than having both. Parents around. But this is the assumption that I think a lot of people make is that other families are all normal. Yeah. <laughs> and what I've realised yeah. also is that most families are pretty fucked in some <laughs> way, shape or form. <laughs> yeah. I agree, but uh, I'll probably won't share that. <laughs> on some yeah. level, there's a lot of um, stuff that goes on behind the scenes in other people's families. Yeah. I, I hear... Of those things, and I realised that I've got it pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And um, but that's the that's you coming back to the gratitude, right? Like, yeah. You're, it's a it's a conscious thing to go. My family, my life may not be perfect, yeah. but also I'm so grateful for everything that it is. Yeah, and it's I think that you know having no dad and the whole family thing. Every time I've gotten up to get it, do a speech. Mm. Uh, whether it was birthday, you know, it's something to do with like support, having family support. I always cried. I, mm. I couldn't help it. I never wanted to, but my lip, you know, my lips start shaking yeah. and heart starts beating. And your eyes just start yeah. pouring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's happened every single time I've given a speech for PNG. Wow. Ever since I've, you know, captaincy and all that type of stuff, you you know, you, you're asked to talk a lot more. Mm. And then whenever it comes to talking about families and, support mm. I've always just cried and I think at the whole you know the dad thing I think that's probably got to do with it mm. and uh you know I'm gonna see a therapist from now on just to you know get all these things out of, out of the way so um, how does that feel like talking about going to see a therapist because it's such a taboo 
topic that nobody wants to kind of discuss. Yeah, it's, it is quite personal. I can understand why, but I've been around guys who are they got someone who's been in the SAS. These are you know, the elite of the elite mm. guys who are out, you know, fighting in Afghanistan and all that. Mm. They they recommend therapists. Yeah, and I've got a close mate who's seen one, and you know, he's, he's dealt with a lot of uh, past things. So uh, it'll be interesting for me to have those sessions. Mm. And uh, you know, I've I've heard that a lot of good comes from it. So. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. There yeah, look, like, digging through personal trauma is <laughs> loads of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is. I Having been someone who has done a lot of uh, therapy in the past and seen multiple different psychologists and counsellors and done lots of those sort of um, personal development stuff, it's I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, and I think, you know, talking about it like this, mm. hopefully, um, you know, opens up someone's eyes to going and seeing one. So what I was going to say is that people listening and hearing someone who is from footy, yeah. uh, you know, the big burly masculine sport, you know, we 120 kilo men running at each other. Yeah. <laughs> like people assume that you don't have issues and you don't have things that you need to work through. And the reality is, is that, it doesn't matter who you are or what walk of life, life you've come from or what experiences you've had. We all have stuff that we need to work through. Yeah. Whether that's around value or identity or ego, you know, there's lots that people need to navigate. And yep. more often than not, we need a professional's help to navigate those things. Yeah, I think you've nailed it there. It's, uh, you know, with, in terms of rugby league, you see, you see on TV guys are out there pushing each other. Yeah. Fighting, you know, all that type of stuff. It's a, a pretty aggressive sport. Deep down in the, you know, in the locker room or stretching in the gym, these are, these are babies driving trucks. Yes. You know, that's such an amazing way of putting it. Yeah. And the, uh, and it's it's a whole healing process too for a lot of guys. You know, a lot of guys were in my situation, mm. uh, one parent or no parents. So, mm. now you got to, that's what makes the team so great being in a team environment because you know even though there's a lot of banter and stuff, there's also a lot of you know care and support that goes into it and guys slowly over, over the years they start to open up and and as soon as you realize that you've gone through something similar mm. you start to open up and i think there's a you know there's a healing process in that yes. too even without the you know the help of the therapist or psychologist i couldn't agree more couldn't agree more it's a it's a really powerful thing to be able to be vulnerable with yes in a professional setting 100% that's really important and vital for a lot of people but also just being seen and heard and understood and resonating with other people yeah is incredibly powerful yeah and I, I think one of the words used that being heard mm. that's something we try to practice at home now with Tanil and I mm. we try to make sure that we hear the other one now because I'm always Solution orientated. Yeah. <laughs> if You're such a man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to fix it. Yeah. If there's a problem. Oh, got, your, got the solution. So now we've got this thing where she'll prepare me first before she goes on her rant. Yeah. Like, uh, I just need your listening ears. I don't want solutions. And listening so that, ears. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Because if there's a problem, I've got the solution for it straight yeah. away. And it's taken years for us to get to that point. And yeah. I think being in a sporting environment, I don't know, maybe it's just because I've gotten a bit older and mm. I'm listening a lot more than talking. Mm. But that's something I'm trying to put into my life now. And, and I think having kids 
helps that as well. So yeah, because how old are your kids? Three and six. Yeah. yeah so they're well. The listening ears was a dead giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listening ears on. <laughs> yeah. So it's um yeah it's a, you know, outside of the whole career transition and stuff. Mm. I'm I'm constantly trying to learn to create a good uh, household because, mm. and I think you know having the no dad. Mm. Uh, part of growing up I was gonna ask like how does that feel now because you obviously didn't have that uh father figure growing up I mean you probably did have other male role models in your life I'm sure you did but Mm. you know that particular dad figure and now that you're a father that must be complicated (laughs) it is and I I try to simplify it as much as I can Mm. I, I look at them go and you know they're playing or, you know, we're reading books before bed. And that. I look at them both and go, and this is nothing against my dad, my biological dad. I've got nothing against him. I don't blame him for anything. I've moved past that. Yeah. But I look at them both and go, man, I, I'll never leave How your could side you? day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so that's, you know, some, you know, when they fall asleep and it's all peaceful, you're mm. not annoyed anymore. <laughs> you're and not. you're particularly <laughs> in love with them yeah. when they're all quiet as soon as they're lovely. asleep, yeah. Yes. They're the best Angelic. things. In, yeah. As soon as they wake up, oh, why'd you wake me <sighs> up? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so I look at them and go, "Man, I will never ever leave you." And mm. You guys want to go play at the park? Let's go. Let's go kick the footy for mm. four hours. And so I think that I, I'm going to take a positive from my uh, upbringing, mm. and so I apply it to the, these two kids' life. But at the same time, making sure they're not too spoiled little, you know, things. Also, running yeah. around <laughs> expecting everything. <laughs> it's just so hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. I man. It, and he always tells me that I try to be, say, you know, no, don't give them lollies. Mm. Don't get them what they want at the shops. As soon as we go to Woolies Coles, they're getting everything from the front counter. <laughs> yeah. My kids, like I'm I'm very much the same. I'm like, oh, I need boundaries. We need to, we need structure. We need routine. And, you know, my seven or almost seven-year-old, she's like, I'm just going to have some sushi with some soda water. <laughs> I'm like, who are you? Why are you so bougie? Like, yeah. don't be a dick. <laughs> like, oh, God, I've become one of those parents. Yeah. But, yeah, I understand what you're saying as well. Yeah, and uh, the six-year-old, he's starting to get pretty clued on with everything now, so he's pushing the boundaries. Oh, <laughs> man, they push boundaries. I reckon that's one of the hardest things as a parent is like – wanting to create boundaries, wanting them to push on boundaries yep. because you don't want them just to blindly accept everything because no, no. I think that that creates boring people. Yeah. But like, ah, oh, the constant boundary pushing <laughs> is really tiring. Yeah, it is. And uh, we're still looking for solutions. Yeah. I'm still yes. looking for solutions. Same, same, <laughs> same, same, same. Um, I think that's really beautiful what you said about, uh, you know, using – your upbringing and your experiences and applying it in a positive way because, I mean, that's how, (laughs) I don't know, maybe I'm being naive, but I think that's how we as a society evolve and grow and make the world a slightly better place, if not just for the people around us, but hopefully humanity. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I always think about vulnerability and I've spoken to Walshie, my my, my and he's, he's like, um, he's our welfare officer. Mm. And he tells me, my job as a welfare officer is to, you know, as soon as the boys walk in the door, they've got masks on. My job as a welfare officer is to rip those masks off mm. and make sure that, you know, they're not necessarily hiding things, but they can they can open up. This is yeah. a safe place. 
and I think it's taken me nearly 30 years to realize that, learn that, and it's still a constant learning yeah, constant uh, process for me. And I'm trying to – I find that the more I open up to, you know, especially my wife, and openly communicate clearly and mm. to those others around me, they're naturally feeling comfortable to share. Me, yeah, share and tell me what's happening in their lives too. So that's a really interesting learning process for me. But isn't that remarkable that something like vulnerability can actually make you stronger? Because I think the assumption is vulnerability is a weakness mm-hmm. and it's going, you know, you're going to show your weaknesses to your competitors or, you know, people around you when the reality is it actually unites a team or it unites a, a relationship, it helps parenting yep. to be able to be not perfect and go, but we can do this together. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, I think I've thought about this a lot over the last few weeks and months and I've always thought about, it, like, you know, why are, you know, guys in the team environment so you know, uh, you know, show off, to, you know, and I was one of those. Yeah. And like as a teenager growing up, and this is my own assumption, my own philosophy. Of course. Correct we all have our yeah. own theories. I have lots. <laughs> yeah, and I think that when guys are showing off in front of each other mm. and, you know, and that's fine, peer pressure, all that type of things, I just find that it's a young, young boy mm. who's just trying to seek validation from their friends. And I don't know if that's very clear, but I saw a quote somewhere and it just nailed it for me. It said, uh, heal the boy inside and a man will appear. Mm. And so I was like, that's a really interesting quote. Mm. And I think when I think of that quote, I just think of myself. There's still a little boy in there looking for help Mm. and searching for it. I'm not sure. I'm not saying as soon as that boy's healed, I'm going to be all this, you know, guru, mystic. You'll be enlightened, obviously. (laughs) Enlightened, but... (laughs) I've kind of been seeking for that since I was a, a kid. Mm. If that makes sense. I don't know if it does. Oh, like in my core, feel it 100%. I think that is so incredibly powerful in terms of, I mean, coming from a feminist lens, um, like that toxic masculinity. It's like, or, or a big swinging dick competition. You yeah. know? It's like, oh, I'm so big and burly and I don't have anything wrong. And yeah. it's like, well, are you happy though? Yeah. You know, like, are you genuinely happy? Like, are you seeking that validation externally or do you have that within? And if you had it from within, I doubt you would be necessarily behaving in the ways that you might be. Yeah, and a lot of those behaviours come out as the insecurities, you know, that's just insecurities and probably more from a place of hurt. Mm. And now I've been in this sporting environment for 14 years. First five, six years, I was always, you know, trying to, fit in with the group and go with the group. But as soon as I've realised that uh, this whole showing off thing and banter, I love banter. Uh, Oh, banter's the best. Yeah. That's one of the best things that I've learned, I think, from sport is the ability to be, you know, give and take. It's great. And you have to to be good at it if you want to last in that environment. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. But the whole um, not being vulnerable, not being yourself, and it's hard because, you know, you haven't done it your whole life. Mm. As soon as you start to open up to someone that you trust and can rely on, I think good things start to happen. Yeah. And I've realised that before even, you know, going to the therapy sessions, Mm. just over speaking to my wife and a lot of times we're admitting some of our shame to each other. Yes. 
And I think that good things happen after that. Yes. Totally agree. Oh, I feel like we're having a counselling yeah. session. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for working through yeah. my stuff with me today. Yeah. Do we do we say the therapeutic park on Mike? Yes. Mike before. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. So what are you hoping to achieve? Like, because you're just, you're fresh out of sport. What do you, do you have any ideas of where you're going to go, how you're going to spend your time? Oh, I think this whole next month or two is going to be in the exploration area yeah. of trying to work out what I want to do or what I am going to do moving forward. So I'll probably have a better answer for you in a couple of months. Yeah. But I've always wanted to do something for PNG in the junior development stage. Amazing. For rugby league specifically, because that's the field that I've known, and it's something to do with improving the state of our village as well. Mm. I think there's a lot of good things that can happen there, and there's there's a lot of people doing good work there. Yeah. I just want to be a part of that community to community to contribute as well. So mm. uh, it's also understanding how you can contribute because I, I think that was the, one of the things that I found most difficult in that really early phase is like I know I have skills like I know I do I know that I have passion and dedication I have energy like shit but how do I yeah p- where do I put it <laughs> where do I put all of this yeah I know exactly what you mean because hey, that was part of the whole uh, being scared of going to the next part mm. how do I put into place what I've learned from yeah. rugby league yeah and so that's the that's part of my exploration mm. uh, phase that I'm going to go through now, and, and finding the right people to work with, and yeah, and there's some good people there who are helping me do this. So um, I think I'm just going to enjoy the next four to six weeks. Yeah, kick back a bit, and you know, have a glass of red or two on a Thursday yeah. night while watching the footy. Yes. I think that'll be nice. Yes, I love that. And uh, yeah, we'll see in a few months where 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 it leads to. Mm. So I have two more questions. One, I will, it's something that I ask everybody because it's the thing that, like, I, I, well, I mean, this whole conversation has been very interesting. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but one of the things that I find very interesting is, like, from your perspective, what was the, what was the thing that you were most proud of that maybe nobody else knows about? I think there's probably not one particular moment that I can think of. But I think learning how to deal with the ups and downs of the games, that's probably the most valuable thing that, or that's probably the thing that I'm most proud of. But actually, this is, this is, this is a uh, good one. I think you know, being named 18th man to, to miss out on the game each week, that's a very hard thing to mm. handle. You're, being, you're named 18th man, you've still got to prepare like you're playing, but you know you're not going to. Mm. There's a slight chance, so... And a lot of frustration can come from that. Mm. And I've spoken to guys who have been in that position multiple times. And there's only a couple of guys that go through this. Not everyone does. Yeah. 18th men for like, you know, 8, 10 games. can be frustrating and yeah. it can break you. And I feel like I'm very proud of being able to talk to the guys who have been in that area. And they've kept a positive attitude, turned up to training every week with a good attitude and you know we shared those moments they, they were frustrated they they didn't want to turn up to training mm. and now i get to see those guys play a consistent rugby league every week so mm. i think that's probably one thing that i'm proud of and it was hard for me mm. being 18th man it would have been easy for me to kick cans yeah 
But I turned up to training with a good attitude, made sure I did my work, and I was able to pass on that knowledge to someone else. So now they're able to play every week, and hopefully they can pass that on too. So that's massive. You should be so proud of that. Yeah. So I think that's a proud moment from that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, yeah. I mean, the final question is is and you know probably leads very well from that experience is what what advice would you give to other athletes who are in your position? You know, they're they're either just about to retire or they're thinking about retiring or they have just retired. What advice would you give them? Get around some good people. I think when you're around the networking events and I've been fortunate because I've been part of a team that has had several of those events, Mm. get out of your own circle, out of your little comfort zone and go have the conversation with someone. Oh, that's such good advice (laughs) and I hated doing (laughs) it. And everyone does. Yeah. And I I was never a fan. It's still hard for me to do, but if you're at a sponsor's function and there's people around and... Know, there's always eye contact. People are always looking at the group because you're the you guys are the guests at that event. Yeah. Go up and say hello because they they want to know more about you than yeah. you about them. And you, you won't get along with everyone most of the time, but you will meet some people who are going to become friends. Yeah. And they're going to help you feel confident in finishing up what you're doing, mm. and so that when you go into the next phase of your life, you're going to be very well looked after. Mm. And. I've been fortunate that I've you know kept all those business cards with me. You've and kept the business cards. I've kept most business cards that have been given to me. Dave, that's uh, impressive. <laughs> and so we see someone else told me this, mm. a former player. And he said, "Keep the business." I think he had like uh, two hundred business cards. He had a folder for it and like a wow. And he just always kept in touch. And Amazing. now he's got endless work for himself. Himself. So I've got all those cards. Now they're all become friends. Uh, some of these guys I text at 1am in the morning when I need advice for something or mm. a lot of them I'm probably going to do business with moving forward. So, mm. And that probably gets rid of a lot of the nervousness around the uncertainty Yeah. post. Because you know you have those connections and you have that relationship, you have that community, you have that support. Yeah. And if you're a good person, they're going to recommend you to some, one of their friends who probably has a position that's going to mm. suit you. Yeah. I think that's such good advice because it's it's something that a lot of athletes I think need to learn from because I know from my perspective I'm quite an introvert and so I find social situations quite uh, exhausting and tiring and you know making small talk is actually really hard sometimes like I want to have discussions about your your father leaving and how, what impact that has yeah. on you <laughs> like that's much more interesting to me than you know oh How's footy going kind of thing, which has its place, obviously. But to be able to start to make those connections and then to stay in touch and to kind of just slowly, slowly massage those relationships that may not eventuate to anything, but they might. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've been pretty lucky because I've had uh, meetings with those guys already. Mm who I've kept in touch with for years and you know, there's, I can see there's some good things that are going to come from it. So yeah. it makes me optimistic for the future, that's for sure. You should be. Dave, that was amazing. You should be so excited about what's in front of you. I can't wait to see you thrive in the real world. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, but for now, I think uh, I'll just put the feet up for a bit. A few red wines. A few red wines, Watching yeah. the footy. Yeah. 
knowing you're not going to get tackled. That's probably the best part. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me this week on All That Glitters. Um, It's so nice to be able to talk to people who have the ability to share their vulnerabilities and, you know, talk about their life experiences in such a a powerful way. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's always amazing to be able to have those really deep and meaningful conversations. But when it's in the context of a, a former footy player, you know, who used to have people running at him for a living, uh, I find it really just so incredibly powerful. And I get really excited about the next generation of, of people coming through because we're able to have really meaningful conversations that you can relate to and resonate with and feel seen and heard and you go, oh, someone like David Mead has had that experience too of, you know, growing up without a, a father or, you know, having parents who divorced or feeling isolated because they've moved across the world to, to a different community. I, I feel it, it felt like a counselling session for me. So... As always, like, subscribe, share, rate, review, please. That would be amazing. We are releasing fortnightly now, so we can't wait for the the next few guests that we have coming up, some really exciting people. Uh, But if you do have any ideas, make sure you DM me at All That Glitters Pod. Otherwise, have a lovely couple of weeks and we'll talk to you soon.